Well, good morning. Well, actually, it's still, it's not quite midnight yet, so I guess I could say good evening. I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Minipod for Saturday night, um, March the 27th. Of course, by the time I finish, it's going to be into the early morning of Sunday, but, and this is probably the earliest that I've done one of these since I've been uh, doing, and I think this is number 11, something like that. So typically I'm one thirty in the morning, uh, doing these mini pods. So it's kind of refreshing for me to be able to get, get to one earlier than normal. Um, I appreciate you joining me tonight. If you're listening to this, uh, of course it may be not, it may not be tonight when you actually listen to it. It may be, uh, in the next few days, but Whenever it is tonight, I, w- I want to talk about something that I've I've been holding off for a few days, um, because I have talked a little bit about HR one, the the bill that the House of Representatives has passed in Congress um, that's got a bunch of voters' issues in there that that frankly worry me and a lot of not just Republicans and conservatives, but I think it worries some Democrats and, and Americans with uh, varying opinions as well, just because it's so far reaching and, and some of the consequences of that have got to have an impact on elections for, for years to come. But, um, since I've already talked about the HR one bill, which has passed the house and, uh, is kind of looming around in the Senate. Um, I'm going to focus tonight on the, um, the bill that was the voter, uh, legislation that was just passed here in Georgia this past week. And, uh, governor Kemp signed it. I don't know if that was a Thursday or a Friday when it was signed, but, Anyway, it is law here in Georgia, and it has upset a lot of people. And I'm going to try something a little bit different tonight. That I I normally don't play any background music, and I know a lot of podcasts have all kinds of music going off in the background, and uh, I typically don't do that. But I I'm just going to experiment tonight, and I'm going to put put one of these uh, tracks in here and see how that works. Um, see if it's anything that adds any value. <laughs> just just kind of a little bit of a spice in the background but um and i'm not going to edit this i'll just post it and then uh, once i listen to it if if i'm not real crazy about it or if anybody listening has an opinion about it please let me know but if i don't like it i, I probably won't use it again or i'll find another song or, or other music to play anyway i'm just going to experiment with that so let me put that in there and see if that works it's not anything to put you to sleep, but just maybe just to, I don't know, on those times when I pause, maybe it'll just kind of fill in that gap. But anyway, like I said, uh, Georgia just passed uh, some voter uh, registration laws that um, are supposed to to shore up the voters' issues that we had in Georgia in 2020. And, and they were signed into law by Governor Kemp, which, you know, um, <laughs> that's the one, that's the governor that uh, Trump is supposedly mad at for, for not helping him win the election, you know, last year. 
uh, the one he spoke so poorly of. Um, and the news played it up a lot that Trump was trying to encourage Governor Kemp and the Secretary of State uh, Raffensperger to um, to find the votes for Trump to actually win the election. But, um, and I have to say this, you know, I voted for uh, uh, Brian Kemp when he ran. Of course, he was the Republican candidate and he was running against Stacey Abrams. So there wasn't any doubt in my mind that's who I was going to vote for. Um, I would have liked to have had a little bit different candidate, but he certainly, uh, many of the issues that I, I favored and believed in, he, he was a proponent for and said that he would work towards. But I think, in my opinion, and, and probably a lot of other people, that uh, he was instrumental in, in losing at least one of the two Republican senator seats that, that we had in Georgia. And uh, I think a lot of us were worried about that at the time when he appointed Kelly Loeffler to serve in the Senate uh, when Johnny Isaacson uh, decided to retire at the end of 2019 and uh, retire early, I should say. So he appointed Kelly Loeffler to take his spot. um, And that was not the choice of uh, President Trump or a lot of leading Republicans. They wanted him to go with Collins who was, uh, you know, a uh, representative from Georgia. But anyway, um, I've read the reasons that Kemp chose her, and I'm, and that's not what this show is about, so I'm not really going to go into that any further, just kind of trying to set the base for who uh, Brian Kemp is. And, uh, you know, of course, it certainly caused some controversy now that he's signed that into law. But Democrats are foaming at the mouth over the passing of this legislation in Georgia uh, with all kinds of accusations of racism and returning to the Jim Crow days prior to the Voting Rights Act of 1965. And I think, you know, it was even brought up during uh, President Biden's, quote, news conference on Thursday, last Thursday. And I think he said something to the effect of, it's um, this kind of law takes us back to the Jim Crow days, or I think he made a reference to Jim Eagle, and I'm not quite sure, like many other people, what Jim Eagle meant, but maybe that's just something that Joe Biden concocted at that particular moment. Wouldn't surprise me. But, you know, like I said, they're they're making accusations of, that this legislation is based on racism. And why is it everything that Republicans do that displeases Democrats is always, they always label it as something to do with racism. I mean, it's almost like the go-to thing and which, you know, there's not much that Republicans or conservatives do in this country that Democrats like in the first place. So, you know, racism gets tossed out there every damn day. If you watch the news, and Republicans, you know, support something or try to push for something, it's always about suppressing black people and, in this case, suppressing their vote. Maybe that's because that's the only argument they feel that carries any weight in their minds. That way they don't have to have any facts because they've never had to have any facts when they throw that out there. If you notice, that's... uh, 
you know, racism, racist, white supremacy, those are things that they never really have to back up with facts. That's just something they label to anything that they do not like. President Biden even called the new law un-American. But so far, the law has already drawn three challenges from voting and advocacy groups uh, that say it is unconstitutional and restricts voting rights and targets black voters. So you can see that those uh, challenges will probably end up in court. But I would hope, you know, that lawmakers are smart enough that when they when they design these laws, that they've checked with enough legal experts and they've tried to do the research and make sure that they're enacting laws that have a fairly good chance of standing up against any court appeals. But again, you know, we knew that there was going to be challenges to it, no matter what they did. If they tried to do anything to make, to shore up voting issues in this state, that changed anything from the 2020 election, what they're so excited about, then we knew that it was going to draw criticism. So I don't know if how many of you who are listening to this, uh, maybe you've heard all the issues uh, regarding the new voting laws in Georgia. Uh, maybe you've heard all the issues with the voting laws passed by uh, Congress a few weeks ago, HR Bill HR1. But I'm going to go through... Uh, at least the highlighted issues on this voting uh, bill here in Georgia. And then I'm going to make some comments on a few of those as I go through them. So how did the Republicans change the rules in Georgia? These are some of the details. The first thing that uh, seems to have drawn a lot of attention is it prohibits handing water to voters in line as well as food and gifts. Now, I think if you've followed Trice Talk, you may have heard me say, uh, I don't know, probably back in January, that some stories were told, and I, I cannot verify them one way or the other because it's hard to find that kind of stuff. Anything that's negative towards Democrats, it's very difficult to find it on the Internet. But um, there were stories of people you know, in, in the black communities and maybe even in, in the minority communities and other communities besides black communities around the Atlanta area that were going in and giving people free things, uh, free, free clothing items and tickets, uh, to events and, and those kinds of things, not just, but now, of course that was prior to, and, and that was at least in my understanding, that was mostly in trying to get voters to register in events. But this particular law addresses mainly food and drink. Well, first of all, I didn't realize that anybody standing in a line to vote would would require food. Uh, maybe I'm just, you know, not that well informed, but I mean, I've been voting for... Um, Let's see how many years have I been voting? 40 years. And I've stood in some pretty long lines and probably the longest line I've ever stood in is about two hours. 
but I've never had anybody come up to me and ask me if I wanted a bottle of water. I've never had anybody come up to me and ask me if I want, uh, you know, uh, especially any food. And I, I, I don't, you know, maybe if it's something prepackaged like a candy bar and a wrapper or something or crackers and a rack wrapper, uh, but I've never known that to be an issue. And I have lived in Fulton County uh, in the past for a few years. And, and I, I believe I voted in Fulton County at least twice uh, in my adult life. So, but anyway, this law says that no person shall solicit votes in any manner or any means or method, nor shall any person distribute or display any campaign material, nor shall any person give, offer to give, or participate in the giving of any money or gifts, including, but not limited to, food and drink to an elector. People standing in line to vote. So, a lot of people are upset about that. And, you know, I personally... Well, let's just go on a little bit further. The law also applies to within 150 feet of a polling place or within 25 feet of any voter at any polling place. Violators of that law would be guilty of a misdemeanor, which is basically a fine. Uh, there could be some jail time, I guess, if it was a re repeat offender, but but of course, voting rights groups and, and some black clergy claim that this provision is intended to to affect and, and just suppress black votes in Georgia. Their claim is that voting lines are so long in minority or, or primarily black districts that it will discourage turnout in these areas if they don't have access to water or food. One pastor argued, argued that they should be able to uh, to hand out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or some other kinds of snacks. Saying, you know, what, what does that hurt to be able to do that? Well, it's probably not so much that you hand somebody a bottle of water. It's not so much that you probably give them a snack, if that's the case. The problem I can see with it is, will those people do that? and not offer some kind of, uh, I don't know, encouragement to vote a particular way? Or can it be seen as an encouragement to vote a particular way or vote for a particular candidate? What they fail to mention when they complain about long voter lines in their districts around, uh, and again, this is Atlanta, mainly Georgia, many times blaming that fact on Republicans is that individual counties in Georgia are responsible for organizing and providing polling places in Georgia. The counties are responsible for it, not the state. The state oversees it through the Secretary of State's office. But the county, each county is, is responsible for providing the polling places and the operations of such. And the counties where long lines and wait times tend to be an issue are in Democrat-controlled counties, in Georgia at least, like Fulton County, DeKalb County especially. 
So how can they claim that Republicans are purposely making their access difficult, if not intolerable, when the party in control over the whole situation is Democrat? But then, that is, is not an issue they discuss when complaining about the problem. It makes their voter suppression scenario seem more plausible without that little bit of information, that little bit of clarity in there with it. Like I said, probably the longest I've ever stood in a line in, in, in my voting lifetime from start to finish is, is a couple of hours. And I'll admit, even in November in Georgia, uh, you can have 70 and 80 degree weather and, and uh, you can have very humid days even in November at that, that time of the year to vote. So I, in memory, I can remember a few, few election years where it was not that comfortable standing in the line. But you know, that's, that's something that we kind of take for granted, I guess, because those of us who get excited about an opportunity to vote, who take our, our voting rights seriously, uh, look forward to being able to vote and for our vote to count towards the candidates that we believe in. And again, um, if these counties consistently have these same problems with long voter lines, then why isn't that the counties, which are Democrat, why can't they get their act together and, and account for that the next time an election comes up? I dare say, I, I doubt if it has anything to do with funds or money. If it, if it did, then it, it would certainly be something that they're screaming about when they're complaining about it. But no, they always want to point fingers at Republicans in this state and say, well, the Republicans are the ones that don't want us to be able to vote. They don't want our vote to count. That's why they make us stand in long lines. Well, why aren't you complaining to your county officials? So that's, that's something that I, I have a problem with. But again, um, I've never even had anybody come up to me and ask if I want a, a bottle of water. And, and I'm, of course, you know, <laughs> I'm in that elderly class now. So I guess somebody could take pity on me. But, uh, and I've seen, and I've made this comment before, I've seen some pretty, I've seen some pretty, older uh, people standing in lines. I want to see how I want to phrase that standing in lines that weren't in the best of shape. They didn't look like they're in the best of the shape. And some of them look pretty worn out as they snake their way through the waiting line and in, into the voting area, but they do it. And then I've seen people handicap people in wheelchairs going through the line as well. And people with kids, and tow. And I always, I always kind of have a sense of pride when I see that kind of scenario, even though you might feel sorry for some of these people in, in their situation, but the fact that these people care enough to vote, that this is important enough to them that even in the condition they're in, they're in there doing their part. They're standing in that line 
and and going through there. And I've heard a number of people say to me, even though uh, mail-in voting has become, you know, something of a thing, uh, that they prefer to stand in line. There's just a sense of pride when they do that, that they put out a little extra effort to vote and make their voice be heard. Now, I have a thought. You know, if if these people think that uh, water and snacks are such a big deal or is such a big deal in particular counties uh, or voting districts in this in this um, in Georgia then why can't organizations donate water and, and maybe package snacks uh, to the polling officials there and then all they need is one or two extra uh, people to volunteer and those people can pass stuff out to to the crowd or these people can walk through the crowds and ask anyone if they need need uh, need some water or they need a need something uh, a quick snack to eat if especially if they've been standing in line a long time but they're supposed to be nonpartisan. i mean even though you know obviously they have their candidates they vote for but as long as they're part of that uh polling uh staff you know they're not allowed to be uh partisan so I wouldn't have a problem with them. Why can't you, you get a couple of volunteers coming out of the polling place and, and checking on people in line and seeing if anybody needs? Actually, it wouldn't be a bad idea anyway, because I think my biggest fear, if I had to stand in a line for three or four hours to vote, that a bathroom break might be an issue. And I've seen that happen before, even in a two-hour line, and somebody will hold someone's place while they have to go to the restroom but that to me would make sense rather than letting these partisan groups come in and and provide water and and snacks to people i just i can't believe that they would do that without making some kind of comment or trying to make the people in line feel like well you know this is because of a particular candidate there's just too much room for some shady stuff to go on when you allow people, because the whole voting process is you're not supposed to have access or not supposed to be able to intimidate or not supposed to be to influence people are standing in line to vote that day. So I think that would be a solution. And I may, I may send that to the uh, governor's office or the secretary of state and say, okay, maybe we need to consider doing this. All right, moving on to the second thing. Um, The new Georgia law implements new voter ID requirements. With all the illegal immigrants in this country and and others who may have lost their right to vote because of criminal activities in the past, why is this such an issue for Democrats? I mean, we know it's been proven that there are people who do not have the legal right to vote have voted and and that's not even going into the all the people that are dead that get to vote, that vote every election cycle. But if you do have people with disabilities that are, that are confined to home or other, other uh, issues because of their health, there are ways to get an ID if they don't already have one. 
So why do Democrats keep saying that ID laws affect blacks and other minorities disproportionately? I can see where it might affect, uh, you know, homeless individuals in some instances. Because it may be hard for a homeless person to get an ID unless, you know, somebody, you know, like some of the some people that are affected uh, by economy issues, you know, um, where the economy tanks and people lose their jobs and they can't make their mortgage payments and they get thrown out and they become homeless. I mean, that those stories were rampant uh, a number of years ago and probably still occur today on a different scale, especially after last year and people end up sleeping in their cars if their cars aren't repossessed. But, you know, the average person, this adult person in this country at some point in their life, if they ever had any kind of a, a job or anything else or a driver's license that they had, you know, access to should have some kind of ID legal ID in this country. And, and the fact, that that is such an issue for Democrats can only make one think that it has to be because they don't want people to be able to verify who is who has a legal right to vote. There's no other way to look at it. it, it it's not about making sure everybody that everybody has a right to vote. Not everybody has a right to vote. There are some people that do not have a right to vote, but it has to be legal for them to be able to vote. So this ID thing, and it gets, it gets beaten up every time somebody makes an issue of it. But right now it is, you know, law in Georgia. And I, I hope they exercise it to the, to the uh, highest degree. The new law also limits the use of drop boxes. Only one drop box per county except for large counties, which can set up one box for every 100,000 registered voters. The drop boxes must be kept in secure voting locations and emptied and processed by election officials every night. Now, I'm not sure there wasn't a lot of details about how many locations uh, drop boxes were located last year in the 2020 election in and around Georgia and especially in and around the Atlanta area, which uh, was a source of a lot of the problems. I know um, I used one last year and it was at the firehouse, the uh, fire station, if you will, uh, closest to me because, and it's actually a, a police department precinct as well. So I felt pretty secure that that, particular drop box was going to be as bad as secure as I could expect. Uh, they also had one, um, at the County, um, uh, I guess it's the County voters office over here in the County that I live in as well, which is, is not all that far from me. So that, um, the drop boxes were an issue in the 2020 election. And there was a lot of uh, stories about un, unqualified or unregistered uh, or people who were not really official that were picking these votes up from these drop boxes, especially in other states other than Georgia, like California. 
but you know so georgia realizes that's a problem and uh, of course you know again uh, the voting rights groups they're not happy with that either they probably want them at every liquor store or every grocery store or every every place that they consider to be convenient and it's it doesn't make sense i can see them at fire stations i can see them at police department precincts i don't have a problem if they had a bunch in those places but not in some of the various locations that they were uh found last year in the 2020 election there's just no reasonable way to secure those uh drop boxes and and locations other than where there's uh, a chance of 24-hour activity uh, with either law enforcement or some other official uh, people going in and out uh, all the time. Uh, Another law allows lawmakers to remove Georgia's Secretary of State from the role of chair of the state's Board of Elections. I don't really have an opinion on that. I know that a lot of us Republicans were mad at Raffensperger last year, mainly because they entered into an agreement with Democrats to change, to relax some of the voter requirements last year was the big issue with Raffensperger. Uh, Even though Raffensperger after the election said, "There's there's no proof of widespread voter fraud in Georgia. Um, after the stories that we heard and the film that we saw of numerous locations, especially in Fulton County, there's no way that you're going to convince any Republican in Georgia that there weren't issues. Whether it was enough for Donald Trump to win the election, I don't think anybody can say. I wouldn't go so far as to say that. But any issue that's voter fraud is important in this country. Another issue is Georgia lawmakers can now appoint a majority of members to uh, a five-person state election board. Don't really have opinion on that either because I don't know what effect that would have uh, on voter laws in Georgia or, or the voter process, the voting process in Georgia. So, uh, but that is one of the issue, one of the uh, changes in the voter law. Uh, Another issue, lawmakers can also tighten state-level oversight of local election boards. This is something they're really pissed off about. The bill gives authority to the state to take over county election boards if they are proven to have chronic mismanagement or fraud problems. Well, I can tell you, if you look, uh, this makes sense to me. As as we found out last year, there there were way too many instances where irregularities were common in certain voting districts. Um, A big one that was here was the Fulton County, a question of Fulton County. There was even video of it uh, that circulated the internet for a while. But in Fulton County, uh, there was a uh, location where they were counting votes. I think it was close to the downtown area in Fulton County. But um, that night, of November the 4th, they uh, supposedly said that they were going to close down, shut down the voting count for that night. 
I don't remember what time it was. It seemed like it was rather late. It seemed like it was after midnight, I believe. But they said they were going to shut down and stop counting votes. So the uh, Republican observers that were there, and maybe even the Democrat observers, if they had any there, uh, they left. Now, those Republican observers said that they were told to leave, but uh, Fulton County election officials say that there's no proof that they were told to leave, and it, and it can't be heard on the tape. It just, uh, they said that they told the observers they could leave but they did say they did admit that they said they were going to stop counting and then for some reason after those observers left the counting continued and that's the famous tape where they started pulling boxes out from under tables that was such a big issue um that never really has been reasonably explained in 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 my mind uh i've never seen actually much of an explanation on any of that stuff after the election was over and pretty much everybody decided, well, Biden's in. It's almost like that disappeared, even though um, our state and others, you know, are pursuing certain issues. This bill also places new limits on how parties and voting groups mail out absentee ballot request forms. Now, personally, I think that they should have to to request, you know, a mail-in ballot or an absentee ballot and, and just not be mass mailed out by some voting rights group, even Republican Party or Democrat Party. I don't believe anybody should be mailing those out unless they've been requested by the individual. They should have to request that. And if a person is not, you know, um, what I want to say well enough, or if they're not of sound mind where they can do that. Now some people say, well, they don't have internet and how do they do this. They don't have a phone. I mean, come on. And this day and time, um, it's, it's, it's not impossible, but there are ways to get around that as well. But by and large, they should be requested by individuals. They should not be sent out to people. I know last year, I got two mail-in ballots in the mail. I still have one of them. Um, I mean, if if they're going to be mass mailed out, they they just those groups have you know the groups the even Republican Party officials who want to mail them out, they have no incentive to use accurate, legitimate mailing list. How do they know? How do they know they have an updated list? So there's there's a lot of room for, again, shady stuff to go on if you're not. <laughs> I mean, and all this started happening last year. That's the thing. So that's that's something else that um, that Georgia put in this law, this new voting rights law. The bill also requires absentee voters to request ballots by providing their driver's license number, the last four digits of their social security number, or a copy of some other accepted form of identification. Passports, um, I, you know, I, I don't, they don't give you the list, so I, I, I don't know what else is on there. 
your um, <laughs> if you have a concealed carry permit, you know you'll have adequate identification on there. But anyway, there the bill says that if you're um, requesting an absentee ballot, you have to prove who you are. They also have to provide this information when they mail in their ballots. Currently, people sign an absentee ballot application and sign the ballot when they mail it in. Now, I'm going to tell you, uh, as someone who does, I do contracting work, and I can't tell you how many checks that I've taken over the last 20-something years, but sometimes I'll get signatures of people's names on these checks. It's almost like a prescription uh, that you get from your doctor that who in the world could even decipher what they're saying on there. But that's what a lot of these signatures look like. So how in the world do just a signature on these ballots give them enough comfort that, oh, well, this is who this person is. Um, so that's pretty much the, the items. That's about eight items that's on the main items of this new bill in Georgia. And Republicans had also tried to add some other things on there, like require voters to submit an excuse to vote by mail. And that used to be the norm, too. You actually had to have a legitimate excuse to uh, get a, a absentee ballot. You either had to prove that you were going to be out of the state at the time during the election, or you're in the military service and you were stationed overseas, uh, something of that nature to even get an absentee ballot. But, you know, and, and probably because they knew that absentee ballots could be a problem if they were just wide in, in widespread use. So uh, that's something they wanted to go back to, but because the Democrats were pushing back so hard, I guess they decided to cave on that. They also wanted to ban early voting on Sundays an option that was traditionally used widely by black churchgoers, but those measures were eliminated from the final text as well because there were a lot of uh, black churches that and, and Democrats that pushed back strongly against that. I mean, I can honestly say that I, I never even knew that that was something that was being done in Georgia. I never knew that people even voted on Sundays. I certainly didn't know that they voted at their church. Now, I do know that some during the normal voting cycle every year, we've always had uh, certain churches that that uh, host their their a polling place. So they, they host polling uh, voters in, in their churches, um, along with other community buildings. And I'm not sure how they choose those. But uh, I think it was in an attempt in the early days to put enough of them out there convenient to, you know, to different areas around the county. But I, again, I didn't know that people could go to church on Sunday and then come out and, and vote. What concerns me is, is you're bound to have a lot of people that, that may be energized to vote for laws or individuals that, that the clergy of the church pushed during their sermons. Now, I can say the church that I went to for a long time never really got political and very seldom ever mentioned certain things. 
more than some social issues from time to time that were a problem. But I can't honestly ever remember any political rhetoric in this in the sense that uh, they they were encouraging the the churchgoers to vote for a particular person or vote for a particular law. But also, depending on the congregation, there may be peer pressure there as well for people to vote a certain way. I have no doubt in my mind that this situation leaves room for all kinds of pressure when you're allowed to vote away from a polling place that has a non-partisan environment. It may not be rampant, but certainly that kind of situation and uh, voting at church after a church service where you've got, you know, um, other members of the congregation around, who's to say that there can't be peer pressure to vote a certain way? And how private is it in those kind of environments? It may not be anything as rampant, but it's certainly uh, vulnerable to it. Maybe we should start letting people vote at rallies, you know. I mean, just anytime you get a group of people together, a large group of people together, like a, a Trump rally or, you know, that we used to have, or even on the Democrat side, just hell, let people vote, have voting machines out there. So once they walk out of the rally, they can just go ahead and vote. They're all pumped up and they know who they rah, 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 who they want to vote for. And let's, uh, you know, at that time, I wonder if that would go over with Democrats. Because to me, that's kind of what the church environment allows you to do. Because you know that there's the opportunity to pump people up to go in a certain direction. How much more convenient than that would it be to allow people to vote after rallies? <laughs> uh, well, you know. All right, so kind of summing this thing up, the H.R. 1 voting rights bill that was passed easily, I will say, by the House a few weeks ago is having trouble in the Senate, as, as you probably know. And some highlights of that particular bill are it would void state voter identification requirements. So, you know, the the Georgia state legislature knew that this HR1 bill, that was a, a big feature of that particular bill. And that may be one of the things that pushed them to have voter ID requirements in their state bill. Uh, the HR1 bill also make permanent the mail-in voting that was used widely in last year's elections across the U.S. Well, why not? It worked out pretty good for them last year. And, you know, I, if, if, if it had been successful for Republicans last year for the mail-in voting and, and Donald Trump had just swept into the White House and, and we'd taken over the House and taken over to the Senate, and, and they determined that a lot of it was due to mail-in voting, how much do you think they would be supporting it right now? In my mind, the only reason they're supporting it is because they think it worked real well for them last year, which I guess is a normal reaction for anybody that wins because of a particular uh, circumstance like that. 
Uh, this also, the HR1 requires more than two weeks of early voting. <laughs> yeah, they want as much time as they can get to go door to door and try to get their bases to make the effort to go vote. I mean, I, I believe that probably sometimes you need to maybe nudge people a little bit to go vote, or maybe you need to remind people to go vote. But if you've got to go out and push, push, push to get somebody to go vote, and you're probably pushing them to vote just, you know, the way you want them to, obviously, I see something wrong with that. I see something wrong with that. And I may be alone. And the last thing I'll bring up about that, and they mandate same day and online voter registration. I don't have a problem with online voter registration. Uh, I really don't, as long as they have tools in there that you can, you have to prove, you know, who you are. I mean, I have a business license and I have to register every year and I do it all online now. I haven't been down to that office to, to register my business in probably 10 years, but I have to make photocopies of things and I have to sign documents and I have to have a couple of documents notarized. Gee, that's something maybe we ought to do. Require well, of course, that would be that would be an uh, inconvenience for a lot of people. But um, same day vote, uh, same day registration. I have a problem with that. I have a problem if somebody waits till the very last day to register to vote and then go vote. I have a problem with that. Number one, he probably didn't, or he, I say he, they probably didn't think it through. They probably have no idea uh, the qualifications of anybody running. But that also does not give officials time to check out the legitimacy of this person's registration either. Uh, and also put a lot of pressure on them when you're in the process of you're voting today and then you've got people trying to register to vote. Garbage. Absolute garbage. And the only thing that's for is to try to suck every little bit of uh, voter possibility they can out of, out of uh, people who they think they're going to vote in their direction. That's all that is. You've always had a deadline that you had to register to vote. Uh, I think in Georgia it was, I think it was two or three weeks. I, I apologize for not remembering that, but I know it's at least a couple of weeks prior to the election. And then the registration cuts off and you can't register until the next voting site, or you can register after voting is over, or you can go ahead and register. You just can't vote in that particular election. Anyway, they want you to be able to register the same day. That doesn't make sense except to just, like I say, try to squeeze every last vote they can to push things in their direction in this country. Democrats benefited in the relaxed rules of 2020 because of the pandemic and, and seem to want to ride that horse as long as they can. I mean, they thought all of this stuff works. Hey, we need to hang on to this. All under the guise of making this fair and making every vote count, making everybody 
vote in this country that they say has a right to vote, which they're expanding that group of people that they think has a right to vote, even even into uh, people still in, in prison. They're, they're giving some of them the right to vote in this H.R. 1 bill. While a legitimate American citizens do have the right and, if you will, an obligation to vote in this country, but not everyone has the interest in elections or government as far as that goes. And, and an argument could be made, voters should be interested enough to make informed decisions about what laws or what persons running for office best embodies their own ideals and desires uh, and the direction they want this country to go in. But I would argue that decision cannot be made on the day of the election. This crap of allowing people to register to vote and then vote in the same day, to me, is destructive. It just leaves the door open again for people being pushed to the polls to push in a certain direction. And, you know, I don't have a problem with you trying to influence people to vote, you know, by appealing to their thought process or their intellect or uh, whatever you want to call it. But I do have a problem in pushing people to the polls. I have a problem driving a group of people to the polls to vote. Loading up a busloads of people and taking them to vote or loading up a busload of people and, and taking them to register to vote. Unless there's a legitimate reason that these people cannot do this on their own. Those kinds of voters will be the ones who help drive a stake through the heart of this country as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, it's all under the guise of Republicans are racist. Republicans don't want black people to vote. Republicans don't want minorities to vote. Now, why would that be true? They never have to say why. They never have to give a reason. They just say it and people are supposed to believe it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. I um, want to thank you for spending a little time listening to this, if you have. And I, I hope that you'll, um, let's see, is now official, officially Sunday. And I hope that you'll um, join us for Trice Talk Live tonight with myself and Dennis Lee and Eric Kirk. Uh, we'll be on at 11 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm not quite sure what we're going to be talking about tonight, but I guarantee you it's going to be about politics. And uh, so hopefully you'll uh, join us tonight. And if you have some opinions about anything that we're talking about tonight, I encourage you to call in. If you have any opinions about if you listen to these mini pods and you, you, you want to uh, – make some comments on anything that I say on many pods. I welcome you to call in to Tri's talk when we're live and, and state your opinion. And, um, of course they're non-explicit podcasts. So you have to be, um, you know, professional when you call in and, and make those comments, but I'm certainly open that you don't have to agree with us to call in at Tri's talk. 
we're we're open to hear anybody's opinion or anybody's take on the issues that we discuss. So I encourage you to do so. But again, thanks for uh, spending time with me tonight. And um, I'm going to uh, ease out of here now. And uh, hopefully I will see you tonight at 11 p.m. Have a great Sunday, everybody.